some kind of cop. You don't score points with this podcast, banging 12-year-olds. Welcome back to Mackie's Clubhouse. I'm Kevin. I'm Larry. <laughs> We're officially just banishing those last names. Yeah, fuck the last names. <laughs> Nobody's listening anyways. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. We're just saving you time. Yes. And life hacking your life by cutting out those, use, those seconds that you could have been listening to our last names. True. <laughs> Then they had to listen to that, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that hurts it. Yeah, so. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to listen. You put more seconds of me apologizing for yeah. wasting everyone's time. So it's just a, a big circle jerk of time wasting. Time's a and that's this thing. show. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, we're back to do two more episodes this week of season one. We're still on season one of The Shield. Uh, we're looking at episodes five and episode six this week. So what ep- what episode of the show are we on? Not the Shield show, but the Mackey's Clubhouse show. Uh, this is episode four of our show. All right, so this is episode four. So by now, like I'm sure, Sean Ryan and Kurt Sutter are now calling and emailing and Facebook messaging you. Yes. <laughs> oh, totally. Actually, I'm sure if we like uh, if we like tweeted Kurt Sutter, he'd probably reply. <laughs> Well, I don't know, because like I think he's very busy with that stuff. I think Almost DOT fan tagged us on Twitter with him, I think Sean Ryan, maybe Chickless, and there wasn't any reply from anybody. <laughs> Damn. But it is possible <laughs> one of them might have turned this on for a minute and thought, like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> that's what I would think. But yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> Yeah, Kurt Sutter is probably working on, you know, some other spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. That's all right. You ever watch Mayans? Is that any good? I haven't watched Mayans. I watched, like, the first episode, and I was like, eh. See, my boss me. is into it, but she didn't watch all of Sons of Anarchy. Weird. Yeah, it's real weird, but anyway. It's, that's an odd choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, hey. She said she's going to go back and watch Sons. Like, she saw some Sons, and then when, you know, Mayans started, she's like, well, I like Sons, so I'm just going to just watch all of Mayans. Damn. And I don't know. She, she speaks highly of it. Well, that's good. And anytime, you know, anytime it comes up, I'm like, well, ha- ha- has Jax showed up yet? And then she says no, and then I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Jax it takes place up. after, uh, you know, after Sons of Anarchy, so. Oh, Given what dead. happened to Jax there, yeah, there's yeah. not much chance of him coming back unless it's like a flashback or something. Oh, huh, all right, well, yeah. I thought they were running, like, concurrently. Oh, yeah, no. Like, from what I saw in the first episode, I, I want to say, like, Tig and uh, yeah, some of some of the sons that were left at the end of the show did appear briefly. So, right. uh, yeah, it kind of shows a little bit of what they're up to. So I guess that's kind of cool, but yeah, not safe with it. But that yeah, ties that uh, that ties well into our uh, first episode we got to talk about because yeah. this was a very Kurt Sutter heavy episode. Really? Like yeah. he wrote this episode? Yeah, episode five blowback. Uh, this was written by Kurt Sutter, and obviously Kurt Sutter then appears as a character in this episode. Oh, who's he in this episode? Oh, is he the Armenian guy? Yeah, Margot. I, I recognize that dude. I'm like, <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? All right. Yep. I that's him. I could have just looked it up, but I was like, I don't know. That's a lot of work. I got to type shit and stuff. So I was like, but I know I, I know I know that dude from somewhere. All right. 
Yeah. Like, what was his name in Sons? He was like uh, the dude in jail with a weird eye. Yeah. Bad was eye. That? Was he Otto? Yeah, Otto. Yeah, he was yeah. Otto. Yeah, whose life just kept getting worse and worse in prison yeah. over the course of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so Blowback first airs April 9th, 2002, directed by Clark Johnson. Yeah. So we're back. Clark to, Johnson's think, back again. Yeah, so he directed episode three. One and three, I think. He did the pilot and episode three. Yeah. And this episode, episode five is awesome. This is a great Yeah. Movie. Yeah. This is a real classic right here. Yeah. So it opens up with like uh, Vic and Ronnie are breaking into this bakery or whatever because they're trying to hook up some kind of illegal wiretap mm-hmm. because what's going on is they know there's like a big drug deal getting ready to go down at this place. So they're trying to figure out like when the drugs are going to be there because they want to go in and steal them basically. Yeah. They don't they're not really looking to arrest anybody. They want the drugs for the retirement fund, as usual. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of both. There's definitely some for, you know, this uh, this helps them and like in their professions because they're, you know, they're doing their cop work and they're doing a good job. They're getting drugs off the street. So it's a win for them professionally, but then they're also going to pocket some on the side and, yeah. and take some for themselves. So it's it's win-win. Well, it makes me wonder though because well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but when we get to another scene. Um, so uh, they get the wiretap in and they don't know what the fuck they're saying because they're speaking <laughs> Armenian. They pull this college kid in. Uh, they take him like right off the of campus and they get him to translate. Basically, I forget what they said. Something about like uh, there's five loaves of bread or something. Yeah, like the that. gardener five delivers bread. five loaves of white bread or something like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And, they're, and he's like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, all right, cool. Get the fuck out of here. We know what it means. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. Um, this is this is the uh, the introduction of the Armenians in the show, which they become a huge part of the show going forward in future seasons. And it was definitely the first time I'd ever even heard of Armenians. Like, I think that's really? more of a Southern. Yeah, I'd never heard of that until I saw this episode back in the day. Oh, like, all right. I did not know that that was the thing. <laughs> this is my whole introduction to that. You didn't know Armenia was a thing? No, it's not like one of those countries you ever hear of. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because there was a kid in my high school. I th- he was Armenian, and uh, he got bit in the face by a horse. I remember what? that. Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with him being Armenian, though. I think he just happened to have his face <laughs> too close to the horse, and the horse, like, bit him on the cheek, and, like, he had, like, a horseshoe-shaped scar on his face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like holding the hay in his mouth or something, and the horse just, like, I have, leaned I don't in. Know. And was... I, I, I didn't really know the kid that well. I just Oof. remember him. As, hey, yeah, he got bit in the face. Um, so then they get their story or whatever. They go over to um, – they I like get a how, warrant. Yeah, I do like how they get the warrant, whereas they basically go to a buddy of theirs who I guess drives a limo. Um, and they're just like, hey, just you sign this statement saying that you heard these guys in your limo talking about this drug deal. And uh, <laughs> you just say, yeah, I, I totally heard that. And then the, we can take this to the judge and get a warrant, which is just so great to see how they're manipulating the law and getting around all these things. Yeah, OK. Strike. I thought that was just like a crooked judge. I didn't realize that. OK. I don't know how that actually holds up because they could be like, we were never even in a limo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Um, 
520 theme song. Ba ba ba. That's where we're at at this point. So, next scene we get to the strike team's gearing up. They're putting their 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 armor on. They're loading the clips up. The you know whatever. Got their aggro rock playing. Yes, whatever that is. And Aceveda comes in, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you're gonna go bust some drug deal or whatever. I'm coming with you." So that's where I'm thinking, okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, at this point, do you think if Acevedo doesn't come in, do you think Vic and them just go and get the drugs off these people and leave? Or do you think because Acevedo is like, well, I'm coming with you. No, oh, great. Now we have to arrest these guys and make a big fucking thing out of it. Or do you think they were going to arrest them anyway? Um, I would say they were definitely going to arrest them anyway because they were – well, I mean, I guess you could say that they were going to go in and kill everyone, but that would really raise a lot of red flags, given all their other activities. Like, I don't know if you want to bring that much heat on yourselves. Right. Um, but they could have just also went out and, you know, knew they weren't going to be around and just get in there. Get, well, I don't know. All right. Because yeah. they were definitely they were definitely getting ready in the in the clubhouse. So everyone knew that they were going on a raid like they weren't hiding that fact from. Aceveda. They, this was clearly a police operation, not just something they were doing on the side. So yeah, uh, so yeah, Aceveda tells Vic, I'm, I'm, you know, we're coming to. Yeah, I'm sending some uniforms with you. <laughs> yeah. So I want to make sure everyone comes back this time. Yeah. In reference to the Terry thing, this is their first kind of big raid since that. He wants to make sure that everyone is, uh, you know, safe this time. Yeah. So Vic's like, all right, well, I don't normally, you know, we don't normally work this way, but, you know, you're the boss, basically. (laughs) Uh, At this point, the gay dude shows up. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. Julian. The guy from Tremors 4. (laughs) Yes. The guy from (laughs) Tremors 4. From here on out, instead of calling him gay guy, we will call him Tremors 4. All right. (laughs) I like it. For future references. (laughs) So Tremors 4 shows up to the station to see Julian, and Julian's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, I got to report a hit and run. And he's like, what happened? And he's like, you hit and ran, and I'm sad about it. So basically, he's just like, how come you're not calling me? And Julian's all pissed off now, because he's like, you can't be hanging around here, like, with doing that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. He's pretty justified in that, because this guy yeah. is really being annoying as hell. And he is. <laughs> I hear he's, he's really putting him in a tough spot here because obviously he doesn't want anyone at work to know he's gay. So this guy's pretty much just blabbing about it right in the middle of everybody. And just like, I'm going to come back tomorrow if you don't call me and shit like that. Like, calm down, dude. You're a stalker. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where um, Danny and Dutch with the sergeant's test coming up, you know, Dutch is trying to fucking, you know, just weasel his way in and shit. But, you know, they're talking about studying and all that, <clears throat> that sort of thing for the, the test, which I, I'm thinking is the next day. It's, it's at 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's coming up. It's close. So they're going to they're going to study. Um, strike team now, they're getting ready to raid this place. And right as they fucking break in. Uh, what's his name? Kurt Sutter shoots a dude in the head. I don't know why. Uh, what I remember, I think like, uh, they were all doing some Coke and the one kid got real eager. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he like kind of, he kind of jumped in and was like, I'm going to do this first line. Ha ha. And, uh, Margos did not take kindly to that. (laughs) 
Oh. I guess he thought it was rude, so he kind of shot this guy in the head after he did his line. <clears throat> Although he pulls it up, pulls the gun up very slowly. I don't know how that guy did not realize he was going to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very, it was not a very slick move. Uh, strike team calls down to the backup, all clear. They steal the shit before anybody gets up there. So before they get up there, they pack all their stuff, you know, all the stuff up, and they get the fuck out with it. Well, they, uh, they're in the room, kind of loading up the drugs. Julian is in another room, but he can kind of see them through this crack in, a, in the door. Well, I uh, think that's later. I think they, I think Vic and them take, don't they take the drugs down to the basement, and then. Uh, Julian is outside on patrol and he's down the back alley and he just happens to open the door and they're they're in that room. I, I think they leave with the drugs. Oh, okay. They, saying they went to a totally different room. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think know. they went down to the basement. Okay. Yeah, I, later on. Um, uh, Julian sees Vic, Shane, Lem splitting up the drugs. Vic tells Shane, deliver this to Rondell, and Shane leaves with a big backpack full of drugs headed to Rondell's house. Right, Jank? Yep. 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 But what happened? His, his navigator, and uh, <laughs> this was the worst idea ever because you should never put Shane in charge of anything important. <laughs> yeah. We've already learned that in the past, and we're just going to keep getting it reinforced throughout the rest of the season. And really the whole show itself is never put Shane in charge of anything. <laughs> Why? What did it's, he do? uh shane just instead of taking the drugs right to rondell and then dropping off the car he decides first he's gonna make a stop over at his his i don't even know i guess just booty call yeah <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know she's call. yeah she's not really his girlfriend i don't think she's just kind of this lady that he's banging uh and he decides to stop off and you know have some sex with her and by the time he gets out turns out his car has been stolen with all the drugs inside yeah Whoops. Don't! <laughs> uh, he fucked up just about as hard as anyone could possibly fuck up. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so he kind of freaks the fuck out. And uh, he goes and gets his, you know, his lady friend to uh, drive him around. And he's kind of, or well, he's actually driving. I guess that's kind of important in this next scene. Because they're looking for a... Here's one of the weird things is it keeps fluctuating between black navigator or blue navigator throughout the episode. Apparently that was an issue with the prop department. <laughs> I what? found out in the commentary. Yeah, they say half the time people say black navigator and half the time people are saying blue navigator. See, I, I kept hearing it is blue, but no, all right. I yeah. didn't notice black. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was definitely a, a fuck up. But they see someone driving in a dark navigator um and shane starts trying to pull him over he's just like screaming and waving his gun out the window like i'm a cop pull the fuck over and shit like that and it's just these like two scared kids driving around and they're like they, he's all pissed at him and he's like i'm gonna fucking kill you and shit like that but they're like what this is my mom's car and shit <laughs> they yeah. got tampons in there, there. <laughs> shane <laughs> throws it hits him in the head with him yeah yeah well, that was the crazy. I like the scene of him just driving around like a madman, waving yeah. around. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, before that happens, we have a scene with Aceveda and Vic in the evidence room about why there's no cash being turned in. You know what I mean? And yeah. it goes right back to, you know, 
I brought four bricks in and you can't ever trust me and you, you never gave me a reason to trust you. And it is suspicious, though, if you have that much drugs that you might want some cash. But he said, well, this is this was a delivery. This wasn't a buy. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, why he's because he is under suspicion when there actually was no cash this time. It's not like he's pocketing cash. He is pocketing drugs, but he yeah. did not pocket any cash. Yeah. Uh, and he kind sure. of this. This is kind of the scene where we get as close to an apology as we're ever going to get out of Vic Mackey. We're just yeah. like, I know you blame me for Terry, but you know, if I could take back what happened that night, I would. <laughs> but I can't. Yeah. Um, yep. So the, I guess originally he was supposed to say something more like it, you know, it was an accident or something like that, you know. But they wanted to just leave it vague. Like I think Michael Chiklis was the one who said, like, we should just have him say less, you know, just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. I wish there could have been some other way, but it, it's not, and I can't do anything about that. Um, Shane shows up to Vix to tell him he fucked up and the truck got stolen. You know, Vix fucking fuming as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, tells him to get Lenny and Ronnie involved. Hey, Ronnie! I remember you. Um, Vic, <laughs> Vic and Shane they go to um, they go to talk to this cop, I guess. At the, yeah. at the diner, and he's he he knows all the chop shops in the area. I don't really know what department this guy works in, but I guess whatever yes. department deals with like you know car theft. Yeah. I don't know if that's vice or what. I have no idea. We'll just say it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's hooked into that scene. Um, and the weird thing about this scene to me is at the end of the scene, he's kind of like, hey, you know, if you ever need somebody else for your team, you should hit me up, like throw my name in the hat and stuff like that. Uh, and this actually kind of comes up later in the next season where uh, they do need to hire someone of a person of color for their team. And they never consider this guy. <laughs> it seemed like that would have been the obvious choice. Yeah. But well, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, God, no, you got no shot. Vic don't want you around. <laughs> Vic's racist. <laughs> I mean, he's never said anything directly, but like even like you know when he goes, uh, you know, you're not the boss of me even on Cinco de Mayo, you know, like that comment, like right there, you're like, all right, well, he has no respect for anybody. He's definitely, you know, he's gonna work that angle. Yeah, he's not, uh, he's not Sipowitz level with it, but no. it's, it's an underlying factor in his personality, I think. Sure, there's a. I mean, I'm sure there's some of it. I'm not gonna say he's a paragon of virtue or anything like that, but uh, I don't think he's that bad. Like he's he's definitely got you know friends that are other races, especially. Yeah. I mean, we'll see Carl Weathers at one point. He's like his idol. See, I don't remember Carl Weathers being on this show. Oh yeah. Paul yeah, Creed. Yep. I just watched Rocky the other day. God, it's so good. It is good. I like Rocky too better though because he wins at the end and. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that jacket with the tiger on the back. But um, whatever it is, maybe it's the Firebird. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All right. So anyways, um, after after Vic and Shane go to talk to this guy, Julian's in the evidence room with the with the evidence room girl. And he's like, uh, he's like, so what did they log in last night? And she says four bricks. And he's like, four, huh? But Julian knows there's six bricks because he's, yeah, he's yeah. watching them. So now he knows something's real, you know, something happened last night. He wasn't sure, but now he is sure. Uh, at this time, we got Clutch and, uh, or 
Clutch. <laughs> That's what we should just <laughs> call him. Names. Yeah, yeah, we could just call him Clutch. So Clutch <laughs> is interviewing the Armenians. Like they're intercutting between interviews. Neither one of them's getting anywhere. Dutch is terrible in this scene. Yes. I'm talking about like blue carrots and I'm sticking them yeah, in. Yeah, I hate this I line. Know. He's, he's interviewing Margos, the uh, the Kurt Sutter character, who's just like this Jesus-looking scary guy who doesn't talk and just kind of looks serious and intimidating. And Dutch keeps talking about like putting big blue bananas in his ears and setting them on fire. It's like, is this supposed to sound tough? Because it. <laughs> It's just silly. Yeah, it's just so dumb. I hated it. Yeah, I don't like it at all. Even if it's supposed to make him just look incompetent, it's going too far. It's like, who would say, what adult person would say that? I know, it's so, yeah, it is, it, it's terrible. That, that that whole, like, he's terrible in that scene. Claudette's yeah. fine, but Dutch is awful. Yes, <laughs> um, I agree. Shane and Vic show up to the chop shop, uh, you know, where they got the information from that cop. That guy doesn't have the car, but he knows about another guy in Silver Lake named Ricardo, who was who was looking to dump that same vehicle the night before or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Apparently this guy, the guy who plays Polish prick Mark, um, apparently he was not a big hit on uh, on the set. <laughs> really? Yeah, they did. They were not fond of this guy. Uh, I guess he his line delivery was way off, and they were kind of making fun of him on the commentary a little bit about like why he never looks at anybody and shit like that. Yeah. They're like, say it like a real person, not like you practiced it in the mirror last night, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny huh. to hear people just ragging on this guy. Wonder how like I never acted. Wonder if it's tough. I bet. I mean, I'm sure it's not easy, but like. Polish prick Mike or whatever the fuck his name was. Like, <laughs> we got two lines. Like, I could probably pull that off. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah. You know, I'm not DiCaprio. Like, I'm not king of the world and shit, but I could probably say, like, I don't fucking know where... I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, I could say that. Yeah. Uh, the Armenian says something to Danny. Um, you know, Kurt Sutter. Kurt Sutter says something to Danny in Armenian. So, she don't know what's up. It's weird. Uh, at some point, the, weird the other thing about this scene is like he says it in Armenian, and then the way she says it to Dutch later to be like, "Hey, this guy just said something to me." It sounds nothing like what he just said. Yeah, <laughs> and I yet somehow it. they're able to translate it later. On. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. Uh, then some dude gets mouthy in the cage, and he comes up later on. Uh. Shane and Vic show up to that dude Ricardo's house, and the dude says, "Well, Dina stole the truck." Oh yeah, Dina, sweet sweet Dina. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Vic tells Danny about Shane's truck getting stolen because now people want it back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. People are looking for stuff. Yeah, it was some other districts, uh, police districts van or something i guess he's supposed to turn it back in julian's watching all creepy and stuff while this is going on yeah he does a lot of that from like the next couple episodes just a lot of julian creeping around yeah because now he's suspicious well because he knows he knows the shit with vic is um you know he knows vic's evil so now he goes to claudette and he's like listen i don't know if i should go tell on a cop or not and she's like I don't want bothered with your bullshit. And then she's like, all right, I'll be bothered with it for a little while. And 
she basically tells him like, you know, you're 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 gonna ruin two lives, two careers, basically. So make sure it's worth going to somebody about. Yeah, because basically, I mean, no one likes a rat. She says, especially someone who hasn't proven himself. So like, if he does this, like, he's probably just as fucked as Vic. I mean, not you know, legally, but professionally, he's yeah. pretty much killing his career. I hear you. So now the next scene, Julian goes to Aceveda and tells him, like, all right, here's what's going on with Mackie. And then Aceveda finds out, oh, the truck never came back from last night. The truck that Shane was supposed to deliver the drugs in, that is stolen. It's still out. So now Aceveda knows. He's got a huge boner now for this whole situation. (laughs) Uh, Vic and the wife are at the doctor's office, Yonsville. Um, but yeah, Vic this is where we finally get the big revelation. Uh, we've talked many, many times now about how every episode they keep seeding that something is wrong with Matthew. Something is wrong with Matthew. We got to get him checked out. Matthew's something's wrong with this kid. Uh, so this scene, we finally get the doctor sitting them down and being like, yeah, he's got autism. Yeah. Yeah. And Vic kind of rushes to anger immediately. <laughs> Yeah, what do you know about it? And he's like, well, I got I got two sons that are autistic, and yeah, you know, he'll be fine basically. Which apparently kind of paralleled, I mean, not quite, but was somewhat similar to what happened in real life. Um, I guess the guy playing that doctor was Sean Ryan's friend, uh, who actually does have an autistic son, and I guess this that's kind of inspired this whole storyline. Um, and so. Uh, Michael Chiklis not knowing that was talking to that guy on set and he's just like oh man can you imagine what this must be like like oof it's gotta be tough and the guy's just like yeah sure do <laughs> yeah um, Chiklis kind of felt he put his foot in his mouth there but Shane calls Vic and says there's an APB out on the truck now yeah so now they're scrambling to find this Dina or the truck before Aceveda and uh, it's so, just crazy that he's in this meeting finding about his son who has autism, and now he's got this to fucking deal with. This yeah. whole episode is just like piling this shit on Vic, where you're just like, man, I, I <laughs> could not deal with this amount of stress. I hear oh. you. He, most of it's brought upon by himself, though. Yeah. He just wasn't so greedy and shit. Yeah. Greedy and lazy. Um. Dutch tells Danny what he thinks the translation was to what the Armenian said to her. Mm-hmm. And turns out it's delicious feet. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's uh, that's a true story. <laughs> Although, I don't know, like, why he would even say that. Like, she's just wearing, like, basically black men's boots, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I don't know how she'd be like, I don't even think Quentin Tarantino would be turned on by that. No. I think he he has standards. Maybe he has a black boot fetish. <laughs> I guess that's possible. Yeah, very true. Could be. But uh, the good news is that Margos and his foot fetish will return later on in the series. Yep. It actually will come up again. So. Well, then like he, that. he kills a dude. Cage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's scene. in the cage. Yeah. And he just snaps some guy's neck. <laughs> yeah, the dude that got mouthy with him. When he said delicious feet, because he says delicious feet to Danny, and then the dude's like, oh, he must like you, officer. This is the first thing he said all day. And then he's dead. Yep. Yeah, you don't mess with the uh, you don't mess with the Armenian guy. What's his name? Milos. Uh, Margos Tazarian. Thank you. Oh, Margos. Right. 
<laughs> I like that the other guy in the cage is just like pissing himself. He's pretty freaked out by this whole thing. Danny and Julian find the truck. They arrest Dina. Now, Danny wants to call Vic, but Julian doesn't listen. He calls it in. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, Julian knows what's up with Vic. Danny knows what's up with Vic, I'm, I'm assuming, to a certain degree at this point. Kind of, yeah. I'm not sure how much she knows. Like, she didn't seem very suspicious earlier when when Vic was telling her about the whole thing and Shane stopped to get a Slurpee and all that kind of stuff. Like, she seemed pretty trusting about it. Yeah. And she certainly, yeah. at the end of the episode, still doesn't really suspect Vic too much because she uh, <laughs> decides to get down with him again. Um, Aceveda, then, he he bolts to the scene because he, he wants to get to the truck. Nobody's allowed to touch that truck till Aceveda gets there. But then uh, there's nothing in there. Everything's gone. Wow. Um, Aceved is interviewing Dina. He tells her, like, you know, give me the drugs and we'll drop the charges on you. You know, he's trying to cut a deal because he wants to pin Vic. Yeah. Yep, he'll go to any, any lengths to do that. But this Dina, I like her. She's good. She's got moxie. <laughs> yeah, she's on the she's <laughs> Yeah, because whenever, uh, uh, whenever Danny and Julian arrest her, when they first pull her over... She gives him this whole sob story she's crying about, like, my dad's a drunk, and I got to get to the school to pick up my little brother before my dad gets there, because I don't know what he's going to do to him. And then Danny's all like, uh, would you always pick up your brother in a stolen car? And then she's like, all right, well, whatever, you guys got me. <laughs> so, yeah, she does have boxy. And once she gets, uh, like, handcuffed, like, Julian and Danny kind of start arguing a little bit, and she just kind of starts inching away. Like, she's trying to just, like, <laughs> peace out. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, Danny steals Dina's cell phone and gives Vic the last calls in it. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. So this, this leads to a great scene where, uh, where Vic takes that info and goes to this uh, pawn shop, I guess it was. And uh, just smashes open this glass case, grabs this big-ass knife, and starts intimidating the guy. Yeah. <laughs> just shoves it right up against his neck, and he's like, "You like two minutes from now, you're either going to fucking tell me everything you know, or you're going to be dead. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Time at this point. The dude tells him the French guy might have them, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I like this scene, where he's just like, why would I cover for him? He's French. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so the strike team shows up to this dude's house. I, I can't remember how they get his info, I guess from the pawn guy. Um, yep, that's exactly it. They show up, they get the drugs back, but there's a dead guy there. Yeah, the, the, uh, the guy that Dina gave the drugs to apparently decided to, you know, tap into the supply and try him out, not realizing how, you know, potent and powerful these, this Peruvian pink was, uh, and he OD'd right there. So, so then Aceveda shows up and you got like a, a scene of him like coming into the house, but Vic's in, in the bathroom dumping these drugs. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to be caught with them. Now, listen, he puts like the pack that was open, he dumps. The, the pack that the guy was snorting or shooting or whatever he was doing with it, he dumps in the toilet. Then the other pack, he like sticks like down his back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no way that. 
Vic dumps all of these drugs in the toilet, and there's not a little bit on the on the tile. There's not a little bit on the rim <laughs> somewhere. A little, you know, maybe a you know a bump's worth, or you didn't get it all down there in time. There's I thought the same up. thing. It's not like he had time to do like a crime scene cleanup and shit. No, like wipe up and all that stuff. Nope, just all down the toilet. No sign. They say in the next episode, the you know the the <laughs> CSI guys did all their sweeps. No sign of cocaine anywhere. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? And, and keep in mind, he, this is a rush job, you know? Yeah, they've got like a minute and a half. Door. He's ripping at the pack trying to like get it to dump into the toilet and stuff. There's no yeah. way there's not drugs all over the place in that bathroom. No chance. Yeah. Like unless he really like <laughs> did the quickest sweep with, you know, some toilet paper and a, uh, like wet it in the sink and really rubbed everything down. But even then, I'm sure it would show up if you're just doing a half-assed job. Yes. Hell yeah. There's just no way. Dexter would have caught him in the act. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does lead to a good scene where he's just kind of looking at himself in the mirror as he's dumping these drugs, just as he's going basically all full, you know, good fellas, and just realizing, oh, God, what have I become? <laughs> what have I become, my sweetest friend? Um, yep. Danny and Dutch are studying for this sergeant's test. Danny gets a oh, call. Oh, wait, before, before that, once once Osvaldo does bust in, I like that Vic, as you mentioned, he put the, the remaining pack of the drugs in his in his back of his shirt, essentially, or his pants. And he's just like, you can, you can strip search me if you want. Yeah. He's just going right up to that line and then right on over it. Just like, yeah, go he, ahead, do whatever you want. He's got moxie, too. They would say Vic has moxie, I think. Yep. Yeah. He's so good. Um, Danny gets a call while they're studying, and Dutch leaves because Danny says she's got a friend who needs to talk to her or some shit like that. So yeah, Dutch she's having a crisis. Yeah. Basically that old date thing where you just have someone call and say, hey, I, uh, if the date's going poorly, you just have them get, get you out of it by faking an emergency. Uh, we now see Julian and Tremors 4 at the apartment, and Julian's real conflicted with, like, his sex. He wants, he, he's horny. He wants to get laid, but then he's real religious, too, and he knows it's a sin and all that kind of shit, and then they just make out anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know what wins out in the end? Boners over Jesus every day. Usually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Usually does work out that way. Uh, Aceveda tells Claudette that the Armenian escaped from the paddy wagon somehow. Yeah, Margos apparently just picked picked the lock on the paddy wagon door and jumped out as the thing was speeding away. Like it was going like 40 miles an hour. He just rolled out and disappeared down an alley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's out there somewhere. Um, and then at the end we see Vic. Vic is the friend that had to show up to Danny's house, and they're standing on her stoop and shit. But Dutch is all creepy and, you know, stalking him, you know, from his car and shit. And he sees him kissing, and then he gets real sad. And Poor Dutch. you got to be shitting me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I also like that Danny is like, she can see that Vic's, like, kind of upset. And so she's like, where are you? You're in that place. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, Danny knows something. Well, he kind of he does mention a little bit about he's got stuff going on at home with his kid. She's just like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't want to pretend. I want to pretend that part of her life doesn't exist. 
Um, that's the end of that episode. Nine out of ten on on my scale there, Jerry. Yeah, this, this I think I'm with solid, you on that. Yeah, this is this is just a good solid episode, start to finish. This is very well written. It's just the classic shield of getting yourself into trouble and then having to scramble like hell to try to get yourself out. <laughs> Which is my favorite parts of the show is yeah. just wow. How do they keep spinning those plates to get themselves out of that trouble? And it's not like it all gets resolved by the end of this episode. Like they have opened themselves up to all kind of trouble that's, you know, still ongoing because Julian still knows and he's still gonna testify against them. <laughs> That's still a threat out there that they got to deal with that they don't even know about yet, really. Yeah. Just keeps piling on, just like you said. Yeah. Just keep adding those sins up, and eventually something's gonna get them. Um. So. All right. Well, uh, best quotes. Uh, I got a couple of contenders, but really, there's only one for me that's that's far and away winner. All right. Let's hear it. So to me, the winner of the episode is when the strike team kind of gets together about middle of the episode when they realize the APB is out there and they're really scrambling and they're panicking in full panic mode. Uh, and <laughs> Lem says to Shane, yes. like, yes. Christ, dude. <laughs> Amy's not even quote. that hot. Amy's <laughs> not even that hot. <laughs> that, that was my quote of the episode, too, because it shows that, like, he's not even really mad about the booty call. Like, if she was just a better looking woman i guess yep <laughs> that would have justified it if she was just a little hotter <laughs> but you couldn't keep it in your pants for 10 seconds because of amy uh that's weird <laughs> he has like the same you. quote yeah that's so good that's like a shield classic right there that's one of the yeah. best best lines of this whole show um you know i want to make sure everyone comes home this time is a good quote from this episode yeah, that's like a little fuck you to Vic from Aceveda. Delicious why, feet. Yeah, the why would I cover for him? I mean, Jesus Christ, he's French. That was good. Yeah, that's a good one. So, yeah, there's some good stuff in that episode, quote-wise. I do like just the uh, simple when they – once they turn on the wiretap and they're just like, huh, the Armenians speak Armenian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when they go to um, – uh, you know, when they go to their buddy or whatever to get that witness statement, and he's like, it feels good to do the right thing. And then Vic's like, it sure does. <laughs> yeah, all that. Yep. Looks pretty good great. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, let's do MVP of the episode. I mean, for me, it's Danny. I mean, she's the one now, like, she's getting dirty to keep Vic safe. Yeah, but she's not even really doing it intentionally. I don't think she really has any idea of what's going on at this point. She really she's doesn't, to... but at the same time, like, you it's know. Oblivious. You don't want to steal somebody's phone and go through it real – she knew she was doing something wrong. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. I think for me, MVP, I'm going Vic on this one. Um, he just – I mean, he had so many things on his plate. But he managed to somehow pull it off <laughs> in a way that was very impressive. And uh, just, I mean, that move at the end where he's just kind of daring Aceveda to, to check his pants when he's got drugs in it. Yeah. It's pretty great. That's that's a ballsy motherfucker right there. This is episode five. There's 89 episodes, and there's probably 77 more where Vic's in this kind of a situation at some point in the episode. <laughs> yep. 
Um, so true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, best guest star. I you mean, my heart lies on this one. For me, it's got to be that that guy from Borat, I guess, who doesn't say a fucking word. <laughs> That's what I'm going. <laughs> You're going. You yep. know who I'm talking about? Like, remember Borat? Yeah, the other. He, he's the one that. Uh, is it the one that Claudette was like interviewing? Well, Dutch was in with Margos. He's like the other guy who was like. Yeah, like bearded guy, gray yeah. beard. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. He doesn't say a fucking word. I think the entire episode. He doesn't smile. He doesn't blink. He just <laughs> stares straight ahead the entire episode with just a stoic look on his face. Yeah, that's pretty great. I can't remember his name though, but he—he's the guy that Borat wrestled naked. He's like his fat buddy. <laughs> I feel like he was better in there than he was in here. <laughs> but oh well, yeah, he was better in there. But I don't. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of guest stars in here. Yeah, I mean, there was one for me that you know, obviously, yeah. my heart goes to Dina. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love me some Dina. I think she comes back at some point too. Like, What's her uh, real name? Oh, shit. I think I saw this last night, too, but I don't remember anymore. All right. Um, she's just Dina. <laughs> Kimberly McCullough. Yeah, that's it. All right. Kimberly McCullough. Yeah, she was great. Love her. How old are you? Should have had her more often. Uh, 37? Oh, all right. <laughs> she's a little older than you. Now I'm going based off of, you know, the 2002 days. <laughs> oh, right. I haven't seen her lately. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Oh, you know what? There's there's one other quote that we should have mentioned. Uh, in that same scene with the uh, Amy's not even that hot thing, and they decide, they realize that Dina is getting a wax, and uh, Vic says something about, we're going to go check the Muff Rippers in Little Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love that line that is a good one. kurt sutter said that he had a bunch of these like friends would just call him up and be like muff rippers <laughs> that's pretty cool i guess that left a big impact so that's cool uh okay next award we got here for this episode i think this one's obvious yeah this one is the, obvious uh, the vendrell cup for the biggest fuck up of the episode yeah I'm going to go with Vendrell. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Shane. Uh, he really caused this whole situation just by wanting to get laid and not being able to wait like an hour so that he could drop off the drugs first. <laughs> not yeah. that hard, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just, no. just wait a little bit. <laughs> what a douche. Yeah, he really just made this whole thing spiral out of control and this is something that's going to haunt them you know most of the rest of the season so uh then we got the uh the dumpy for the worst part of the episode uh well it's got to be dutch interviewing that armenian guy yeah i agree that's what i had for my choice um there were some runners up for me like corinne's acting during the uh the doctor scene like, I was just not buying her reaction. No way! <laughs> if you go back, I, you know, I was watching that just, uh, you know, right before we did started this podcast, I had that episode on, and that scene was pretty close. So I had just seen it. And at first, like, the doctor says, you your, your son has autism. And then she just kind of looks at Vic, 
And then she looks away and she's like, oh, and I was like, wow, that was rough, <laughs> man. That was a that was a rough one right there. That was a rough little reaction. Yeah. I don't know. I'm no actor. I'm no Leonardo DiCaprio once again. But I, <laughs> I think I can pull it off a little better. Yeah, you might have been a better wife for Vic than, uh, <laughs> than Kathy Kaylin Ryan. Yeah, maybe. Now, do you think she's attractive? I no, not really. But I think it's more her acting that annoys me. <laughs> no, she's not she, very good. Do you know her in like like? Does she do other things or does she just do like Sean Ryan things? Probably just Sean Ryan things. I've never seen her in anything else. Because you do, you go to the movies like twelve times a week for people that aren't aware. <laughs> when they when you know they should be open. You know what is crazy though? I was watching the movie Saw last night, and I forgot that uh, Benito Martinez is in that movie. He's in Captain Saw. Acevedo is in Saw. He plays uh, Carrie Elway's lawyer. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's been a while since I've seen Saw, but that's a great movie, by the way. I forgot all about that. <laughs> the other thing in this episode that I did not like was uh, there's that breakfast scene where they're in the kitchen. And uh, Vic's wearing this, like, really tight, like, uh, green, green shirt? T-shirt. Yeah. And you can totally see his nipples. <laughs> yeah, that, that shirt. I, I thought, like, wow, that's that's not a Big Mackie shirt at all. No. Like, even a <laughs> Sunday, you know, on vacation, like, still, Big Mackie's not putting that shirt on. No, not at all. Nah. <laughs> even with the T-shirt, it's not this weird, like, sweater. Yeah, yeah, it's just a weird cut, a weird material. It just it don't it don't work. Yep, did not like. <clears throat> All right, well we only got one uh, last category to do for this episode. Uh, this is the recasting, um, which is where we like to look at different roles that the actors on the Shield could have done yeah. or could possibly do in the future. I mean, well I guess they're kind of old at this point, so a lot of them might be aged out of. <laughs> these things but you know if they had made these movies back in the day these are roles that they could have done yeah uh so for season one we're looking at superhero films um and kind of recasting the actors of the shield into these parts uh so this episode we're going to look at kenny johnson mm. aka lem all right so i forgot about this until like three <laughs> or four minutes ago um i forgot this was one of our categories uh I've been very busy with housework and stuff, so um, that's fair. Well, I have a couple. Maybe they'll maybe they'll jog something if you want to stall for time. The first one that, that pops into my mind though is kind of like he could be the Miles Morales Spider-Man, and I realize that Miles Morales is like 14 and Kenny Johnson's like 51 or whatever, but uh, he's got that sort of like he's got that surfer kind of mentality. Not that Miles Morales does, but he's kind of more of a hip teenager rather than you know the <laughs> nerdy sort of Peter Parkery. Huh. So I can see him being Miles Morales. <laughs> I don't know about that one. He's tall. He's lanky. You know, he'd be, he'd be like a good McFarlane style, you know, the the legs up above the head kind of Spider-Man looking thing. I think he could pull it off. I'm doing it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can't co-sign that one, but right. at least it's on the record. All right. What do you got? Uh, I had a couple. Uh, my main one, I think he would be perfect for like a Colossus. Uh, he dyes huh. hair black. He's got kind of the build. He's got kind of just the 
the good-natured, just kind-hearted soul. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be too too wisecracking. Just kind of just be a nice nice guy. Especially the way they portray him in like Deadpool and that kind of thing. Like I could see Kenny Johnson in there. All right. I don't know how his Russian accent is, but <laughs> might have to work on that part. Probably probably not good. Yeah. Who was Colossus? Was that anybody? Uh, no, it was like a mashup of different things. Like some guy was his face, <laughs> and some other guy was the voice. Oh, I see. All right. Yeah. And then it was just a lot of CGI. So. I could see Lem doing like if they made the uh, the the what the fuck's his name Rob Gronkowski. Like if they made the Rob <laughs> Gronkowski story, I could see Lem being all like, "What's up, bro? Yeah, touchdowns and shit, dude. Pussy." <laughs> I can see him doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we may have found him apart. Yes. (laughs) He's like twice his age, but that's, once again, besides the point. Yeah, they could de-age him. Yeah. Yeah, they did it for Zero in that uh, whatever movie that was. As long as he doesn't have to kick anybody on the street, then they'll be fine. The Irishman. (laughs) Yeah, the other ones I had were kind of along those same lines, just like bigger kind of guys like the gladiator from uh from daredevil you know the guy who like makes his costumes he's just kind of like a big dumb guy <laughs> with, like no razor blades on his fist uh he was oh, on the show the guy a little that makes bit the costumes yeah okay yeah he's been a villain in the comics mostly but he they keep showing him as he's not really that bad of a guy like he's actually a good guy he's just kind of a simpleton who gets you know led astray <laughs> type of deal so i think that makes sense for him um, or the Grizzly, I figured. I don't know if you ever saw him in any Spider-Man issues, but uh, the Grizzly just wears like a big bear costume. What about Stilts Man? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yeah, for like people, people don't know, there's a there's a, a Marvel villain named Stilts Guy or something. It's just a guy <laughs> on stilts. And I'm like, all right, well, you just push that guy over. That's all. There's there's so many. I think there's a Lady Stilts Man, too, which is just what? the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then they have they got like baby stilts and all that kind of shit. <laughs> they got extendo penis. Oh, nice. I, had. <laughs> I could use that. I could definitely use that. Yeah. All right, so are we done with episode five? I think we are. I think we're on to episode six. Uh-uh. The illustriously titled Cherry Poppers. Cherry Poppers. <laughs> If you can't tell from that title, it's going to get fucking uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> this is directed by DJ Caruso and the original air date, April 16th, 2002. And right off the bat, uh, this is a different kind of episode. Because mm-hmm. it kind of seems like the entire squad is all working the same case at this point. Yeah, it is very strange. Like, the entire precinct, like, not even just the characters we know about, but all the people basically are on this one case. Which yeah. is nuts. Like, who, I don't know what they're doing about all the other crimes going on that day. Don't matter. They got <laughs> yeah. this crime right now. So, yeah. they show up, and there's a dead, like, there's a dead hooker. And it turns out, like, it's a kid, like a 12-year-old kid. Who, yeah. Who's a dead hooker. And Dutch she's face yeah she's face down like the other hookers that Dutch has been kind of investigating these these cases of the hookers being posed face down which 
I mean, that seems like a flimsy bit of uh, connective tissue, which I guess turns out to be true. But, I mean, just the fact that they're face down doesn't seem like much of a, uh, you know, a recurring element. Well, I guess. It turns out it is, though. Yeah, it is right, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah can't um, blame him for that. He was on the right track. So... He goes to Aceveda and he's like, uh, "Hey, listen, I want to. I think we should form a like a team. We gotta we, we gotta put a squad together to get like we gotta find this guy. He's gonna yeah. strike again. I need all the bodies. So, um, so Clutch, they they brief the squad as as we've discussed. Clutch is you know Claudette and Dutch put together, so we could just <laughs> say Clutch. So Clutch briefs the squad." And Vic and Dutch, they butt heads over how to find this girl's killer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically, Dutch is trying to take charge and, you know, lead this whole investigation and give him this whole, you know, stirring speech and everything. But Vic, of course, hates Dutch, wants nothing to do with him. He's just like, I'll go out and find this guy. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it my own way. Type deal. So obviously, they're not going to, you know, be on the same page in this. Or at least so we think at the beginning. Uh, Claudette's hair's down in, in this episode. I don't yes. know. I put. I, I don't know why I noted that, but it struck me as weird that her hair was down. So they did mention this a little bit in the uh, in the commentary tracks, where apparently this was a big network issue too. They did not like it. Uh, I guess every couple of months she does something to her hair, whatever you know, treatment or whatever she does, where she has to leave it down for a little bit. Um, so this was, I guess, that time. <laughs> but the weird thing is they were filming this episode and the next episode, cons- like, continuously, like, consecutively. So the same director was doing both, and so they just kept intermingling scenes. So I guess she had to basically redo her hair different ways several times a day, <laughs> depending on which episode she was shooting. Yeah, it just, like, it, it throws me off, because, like, it just looks completely different. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the network was happy. They were like, it's too early on in the show to like have any kind of changes. <laughs> They're like, yeah. we want people to know these characters. Like, no, no, no. Well, uh, so they're, they're, her and Dutch are piecing the case together, basically. Uh, yeah. I think they're going through old files and that kind of shit. Um, Julian and Aceveda talk about, they're having a conversation about Big and the drugs and Aceveda just tells Julian, like, just let it go at this point. Like, you know, there's no point to it. Like, yeah, Julian yeah. still wants to pursue this. And Aceveda at this point is like, fuck it, man. <laughs> it's kind of out of character for him. Because do you think he would be really all gung-ho about this? But I guess he's looking out for Julian. I think that's the only real reason you can see why he wouldn't want to do this. Is because he figures that if he keeps pushing this, Julian's just going to end up dead like Terry. And Vic will, you know, kill him too. Yeah. Yeah, he probably will. Yeah. Um, Vic talks to Connie, the hooker, about the dead twelve-year-old that just came up. But I don't remember what she says. Uh, she kind of tips Vic off to someone who might know this girl, I think. So that kind of helps. But he also kind of warns her that this guy is out there killing hookers, you know, so be careful. And she just basically gives this, you know, kind of ominous, uh, you know, I won't let it, won't let it happen again because she just got cut by that other guy. She's like, I'm not going to let that happen to me twice. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
some point the theme song shows up in here, but I forgot to write it down. I normally keep track of it, but it's somewhere right around here. Ba ba ba. All right, so um, Dutch is asking everybody who's already locked up in the cage about who Sally is. Sally, who's Sally? Yeah. And it turns out it's Sally Struthers. Apparently, yes. Sally Struthers is the name of this 12-year-old hooker. <laughs> I don't know where she got that. Like, where a 12-year-old in 2002 comes up with the name Sally Struthers. But yeah, <laughs> maybe she maybe she saw that commercial for her to help kids and stuff, and like, man, I could get help. Yeah. Um. If you did it now, it would be like, uh, uh, what's her name? Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah. And I all time waiting. Um, the FBI shows up to help on this case. Uh, this guy, I don't know who he is, but he's one of these guys you've seen him in like 60 things. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell you his name or what any of the other 59 things are that I've seen them in. No. But, <laughs> but he is very good. I like him. He's got yeah. this calming presence. Yeah. Um, so he shows up. The strike team shows up to the Asian restaurant about pimping the girl. Yeah. They find the guy that was pimping her out, kind of rough him up to get some information. Uh, he mentioned something about her working in a sex club. Yeah. And Vic kind of does this naive, but she was 12. What could she do in a sex club? Yeah, well, we'll find out. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to pause. I'm looking at my notes here. I took sh- shitty notes. Uh, Claudette talks to the Asian dude who sold drugs to Sally. So not only was Sally a 12-year-old hooker, she was also drugged up and shit. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't have a, she didn't this, have a uh, shot. This drug dealer guy was there to give this information so that he can get the reward that they're offering. Uh, not realizing that he just admitted to selling drugs and having sex with an underage girl, so he's going to prison. That's his yeah. reward. Uh, yeah. Why. There's a lot of dumb people in this episode, including the person that Dutch is interviewing at the same time while Claudette's in with with that Asian guy. Uh, he, Dutch is interviewing some guy who works at a gas station who saw the car last night with the busted taillight that was seen somewhere around this, uh, you know, the the scene of the crime. Um, and there's a whole thing about like the guy paid with $20 and he had $3 change, but he left it there. So I still have his change. And they're like, you can dust it for fingerprints, but they're like, well, he never even touched that though. And it's yeah, like, it's his $3. It was his $3. <laughs> yeah. That's got to help somehow. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Vic stops Ted. At the sex club and tells him, I'm coming in with you as your guest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Ted. Ted. Piece of shit. So, yeah. So, Vic basically, like, you know, he stops this dude outside the sex club. He, like, pulls his wallet. He keeps his wallet, I think, and says, listen, uh, you're taking me in here. I got to see what the fuck's going on in this sex club. Mm -hmm. Ah, hold on. I'm taking a drink. Um, (laughs) And that's when things get weird. Oh, but I think at the uh, before it really goes bad, at, back at the barn, they're having plumbing issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, they've mentioned since the first episode basically that the men's room toilets don't work. 
Uh, no one has fixed them yet. And now the women's room toilets don't work, so yeah. there's no working toilets left in the in the barn. So they have to get a plumber in there, like, stat. And uh, basically, Acevedo has to pay him out of his own pocket because the city won't cough up for it. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I, I think it's like a... Uh... I think it's state law that you have to provide working restrooms for your employees. Yeah, I would think so. So, you know, I don't think Acevedo would be pulling his old credit card out or whatever. But anyways, uh, Dutch is talking to Julian about, you know, did you go to IAB or whatever? Or I mean, They might call IAD in, in the shield. Sometimes they use a B, sometimes they use a D. In, yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah. But he's talking to Julian about going to IAB and all that kind of shit. So... Meanwhile, Vic's at the sex club, all right? And he's watching this creepy bedroom scene. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, this is tough. Yeah, and it's like uh, it's like this dude's banging this girl, this little kid, and all the guys in the crowd are just kind of standing there. They're touching themselves and yeah. shit. Yeah, they show the guy's like, hand going right for his crotch. You're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Vic, like, the look on his face, it just... Like seething anger, <laughs> and like his face is just quivering in anger. Yeah, it's, it's and then crazy. at this point, you think to yourself, like, this is fucked up. So if there's any cop in the world that I want in this room right now to be pissed off, uh, I'm gonna take Vic Mackey to be that guy. Like, this yep. is the guy I want to be angry that he's in this situation and this is going on. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, although it is weird then, because as soon as they get back from the commercial break, it shows them coming out of the sex club. And I guess they filmed this part before they filmed the other part. So it seems like Vic is not nearly that angry as yeah. Ted as he should be. <laughs> that is true. That's a good point. He kind of lets him off light. Like, he should be really just wailing on this guy or at least putting the real fear of God into him. But he's just kind of like, eh. Yeah. I'll call your wife if you come back. <laughs> um, Julian tells Aceveda he could take the heat. He, he wants to turn Vic in. He could take the heat. <laughs> he could take it. Uh, the strike team busts into the sex club. They arrest everybody. They're taking everybody down. Um, and at this point, you know, when as soon as they bust the uh, sex club up, toilet explodes now at the uh, at the precinct. We cut back. Water's like three, four inches deep now. Yeah. Everybody's files are running down the stairs, and everybody's panicking and that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know how they fucked that one up so badly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that plumber didn't seem like he, he was like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll try to fix your toilet and stuff for you. Yeah. Asimeda should have sprung for somebody a little better, like yeah. a whole team of plumbers, not just this one guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not even that. Like, you know, maybe a guy that knows what he's doing. It'd be like yeah. calling me to come be your plumber. Like, all right, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> what could it hurt? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's flooding everything. Like, they got boxes and stuff for cases on the floor that are all getting just soaked. Yeah. Uh, Dutch and Claudette, they get tipped about Sally in the green car. They get the plate number, but they can't call or fax or use the computers or anything because the fucking flood took pretty much all the electronics out. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, everything's stalling. You know, they might have a lead, but now, you know, everything's fucking 
And let me think. Well, yeah. And also, at this, I think also at this point, Vic's, or, uh, Dutch is starting to get a little mad because like Aceveda has taken two of the guys that were supposed to be going through evidence and put them on some robbery homicide. Like he's starting to chip away at Dutch's team and put them on other cases. So he's getting a little frustrated about that. Yeah. Um. Lamb is watching the porns from the sex shop because they're trying to find out if maybe one of these videos from this underage show has the 12-year-old hooker on it. So yeah, I feel bad for, uh, for Lamb. <laughs> that fix yeah. just like, yeah, you watch these tapes. I don't want to. You got to do it. I don't think I could do it. I really no. Think. I don't know, man. <sighs> yeah, I don't you know don't- how you... You I'll definitely gotta turn the sound off for sure. Yes, that's yeah. for sure. Yikes. Oof. Um. So they arrest a dude with the green car. I can't remember how they arrest. They, they get a tip uh, that this guy with a license plate, like, oh, this guy's got a green car that has the right. license plate missing. Uh, so they call in the guy who phoned in that tip first, um, and they interview him. And then after interviewing him, they decide to bring in the owner of that car. Oh, okay. That's right. Uh, All right. Yeah, they start interviewing that guy. <laughs> that guy who's kind of creepy. He's got this weird, like, kind of Mo Howard haircut. He's kind of a, seems like a quiet, creepy dude. Yeah. Um, Vic's talking to the girl from the sex club. He kind of rescues the girl that was in the sex show because she's whatever age she's not 18 and they're playing blackjack and stuff. And he's trying to like, you know, just, you know, Hey, I need you to tell me some information. It's going to be cool. Um, and at this point too, Vic gets tipped off about a call to IAB, you know, because Vic tells Danny, Hey, listen, I know Julian's trying to get me in trouble. Yeah. For seeing something that never happened. So, you know, why don't you talk to him? Yeah, because Aceveda's, like, secretary or assistant or whoever that, that woman was, she kind of tips Vic off. So <laughs> you just kind of see how Vic keeps getting these tips. Like, he's got all these friends that are always looking out for him because he is very, like, a likable guy. <laughs> but uh, yep. everyone keeps tipping him off, so he keeps getting these little heads up, which are very important. He is the guy you want in your corner. Like, if, yeah. you, if something goes down, you want Vic Mackey to be your buddy. Yep, absolutely. So Danny confronts Julian, and Julian tells Danny that he saw Vic steal the drugs, and essentially she helped him cover it up, even though she was unwilling, or unknowingly, she was still helping him cover up this whole crime and stuff by... <laughs> Given him, like, I guess, uh, you know, when she took uh, that Dina's cell phone and helped him find the truck before Aceveda did and all that jazz. Yeah, they're uh, the two of them are really annoying in this scene. <laughs> like Danny, the whole like at first, she's just like, who are you talking about? Who are you going to idea about? Like, she's just very whiny. Julian's just very up on his own high horse. Yeah. Like, uh, and this, this whole stuff just got very annoying. <laughs> Especially when there's other stuff, more important stuff, like the serial killer case going on. It's like, ah, fuck you guys, and you're whining. Uh, Dutch is interviewing that dude still, and he's talking about his juvie record, I guess. I don't really remember the significance of writing that down. Oh, yeah. Yep, he's got a sealed juvie record, so they kind of think there must be something, you know, 
perverted in there that he was doing when he was a kid. And it was kind of a sign that he is the one they're looking for now. Um, at some point before this, I think Dutch and Vic get into it again. Uh, Cause basically Vic is talking about how he's bring he's going after the sex club. And uh, so Dutch is pissed off. He's like, Oh, so you're just doing your own shit again. It's like, well, no, this is important. Like this, they, they knew Sally and stuff like that. She, he, she worked there six months ago or something like that. He's like, how is that important to my case? And he just, Dutch is very focused on finding this killer. That's all he cares about. Whereas Vic is kind of seeing like this whole underage sex thing as, you know, being as terrible as it is and trying to put the whole thing out of business. Not just well, I think too, I think too Dutch though, uh, in addition to wanting to solve the case, he wants to make sure everybody knows he's in charge all the time. Yeah. And like, he wants you know, to be the one that solves the case. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Like he, he definitely has like, you know, he wants to he he wants to be a hero for sure. And yeah. if you're not doing it his way and you find, you know, you you solve it a different way and Dutch didn't have anything to do with it, then he feels like, "Oh, well then like, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, my my time's wasted then. Like we should have did it my way because I knew what I was doing. You guys got lucky." That's the kind of guy Dutch is, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, they find Sally on one of these porno tapes. I guess Lem found this this Sally Struthers, the, the 12-year-old dead hooker. Yeah. They, so Vic and Dutch, they talk to the sex club owner. Uh, yeah, they says, bring her into, into the interrogation room. Yeah. And Vic basically says, you know, I'm going to turn this tape on, and you're going to tell me everything you know about this girl. And basically, if I have to turn the tape off, like you're not gonna like it like and he just really starts putting a scare into her like that you know if he has to turn that tape off shit's gonna go bad and he turns it on and it just sounds horrific yeah um and you kind of see dutch like seeing this tape and just being like oh what the fuck is this and like he finally starts to get what this is all about like starts to realize that this was a case about an actual person and stuff like that not just something that's gonna propel his career along Right, and not just another number in his serial killer yeah. case. Um, so uh, the sex club owner says she got Sally from somebody named Kurt Schmidt. <clears throat> so at this point, Dutch takes this hard. Like he, he he's taking this video very badly. Yeah, and Vic yeah. just tells Dutch, like, don't worry about this. I'll take care of Kurt Schmidt. And Dutch is like, fine i love this idea like i don't want i don't want involved with this you you yeah. this is like right once again this is why you want to be friends with Vic, because Vic is gonna fucking do it and Vic don't give a fuck about it he's gonna take care of business and you know no feelings involved i'm just gonna fucking take care of business whereas you know and that's why you want to <laughs> on your side yeah uh, it's pretty great to see them start to have a little bit of common ground where where you know Dutch is finally just like, yeah, I see why you've been doing everything you've been doing all day. <laughs> like, go for it, man. <laughs> Please take so, these people down. So now Dutch and Claudette, Clutch, they're interviewing, like, Sally's boyfriend. But Sally's boyfriend is, like, you know, nine or ten or whatever he is. Yeah, he's and probably he, about 12, the same age as she is. And he, so he, says, this kid. he says they kissed once or twice or whatever but he, he's he like it just got serious last week we finally kissed yeah it's like, oh man 
But he seems to know nothing about her life, though. Like, he no. was, he's totally unaware that she had, like, she was a hooker all drugged up and shit. Yeah, she just told him that, like, her parents were real strict or something. That's everything. So he couldn't go over to her house, I guess. So I guess that kind of covered up why he doesn't know anything about her. But, um, yeah, did she go to school or something like that? Like, where did they even meet? Yeah, yeah, I think he did say something about school. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Vic talks to Sun Lee, that's the girl he was playing blackjack with, who was the victim at the sex club, and she picks Kurt out of the book. Uh, Vic arrests Kurt, like, he, I can't remember where he finds Yeah, he's the, he's the porn producer. Yeah. Um, I think he was driving around in his truck. Who, uh, do you know who that guy is? The guy who I plays can't, Kurt? No, I don't remember. Apparently he's the lead singer of the band Buck Cherry. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Like what did they say, Crazy uh, Bitch? Yep, that's them. Ah, okay. They had a song in, like, the late 90s that was pretty good. Um, but I guess that's one of their songs that's playing When They Arrest Him. <laughs> and, like, oh, no, I, I had no idea. Yeah. What's the other good song? song? Uh, something about something about the movies. Um, yeah. For the movies, maybe? Porno movies? That sounds <laughs> No, for the movies. Oh, for the movies. I can't remember. I like porno movies better. <laughs> yeah. Um, we tie into this episode very well. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Danny's talking to Julian again about the truth and yada yada. Yonsville. Um Dutch <laughs> shows dude photos of victims, says he has witnesses. Dude says Tom Ross is pranking him. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so that first guy that called in the tip about this guy's car was just pulling a prank on him the whole time. Uh, he saw the flyer that mentioned the car had a missing taillight, so he busted Tom's taillight uh, and <laughs> basically just called it in, trying to mess with him. So this guy is now delighted that, oh, I've been pranked. Like, he really ups his game now. Like, you got to help me get him back. And you, you tell him that you're going to arrest him for... Something like, uh, and Dutch is just like, obstruction of justice. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> but of course, of course, Dutch really is going to do that because uh, he is not happy. Yeah, he's not happy. He goes to the cage, or he throws uh, the, the guy he called in the tip into the cage and goes basically full Vic Mackey on him, just starts roughing him up and shit, throwing him up against the, the fucking cage and really just going to town on him. Um, and Vic kind of has to pull Dutch off and just like, all right, dude, you know, I get it. <laughs> just don't do this. So it's kind of cool to see them kind of reverse, uh, you know, reverse temperaments there. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of gets cool. Dutch a little bit of respect in uh, Vic's eye, I think, though, to see him actually care about this that much. Yeah, Vic, or Dutch is all out serious in this episode from the get. Yeah. Once he gets put in charge of a team and stuff, he's real, like, you know, by the book, serious type of thing. He's not like the idiot kind of Dutch. Sometimes you get, sometimes you get, like, real, like, good detective Dutch, and sometimes you get idiot goofball Dutch. This is a good detective <laughs> Dutch episode. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's a bloodhound. He's just kind of tracing that trail. Um, and it does suck that he, they've wait, he's now angry that they've wasted, you know, most of the day. He's like, if we don't catch this guy in the first 24 hours, we probably won't. And now they spent like t- seven hours just interviewing these guys who were just fucking around and just pulling their dicks off. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, he's he's not happy. Um, but they just wasted so much time. But it, it, so it is kind of like they they kind of got played. But it's not like Dutch did anything wrong. I would say like he was investigating this thing smartly. He didn't. It wasn't like oh he got involved in some crazy theory and you know got over eager because I don't think he really did anything wrong. I think he acted just like you would. Um, it just happened that these guys were fucking around. Yeah, I agree. Um, now we got Vic. Vic gets a page. It turns out the page, I guess, is from Connie. Connie the hooker, who was in the, uh, the first, I don't know, she's probably been in every episode so far. <laughs> she's in, like, every other one, it seems like. Yeah. But yeah. she kills a guy. Vic shows up to some hotel room. Some dude's dead on the bed. She says, I thought he was going to go for me or rape me or something. And he's like, that's not going to hold up. That doesn't fucking matter. Like, that, that story's never going to work. <laughs> so he's like, I got to call this in. There's no, I can't fucking do nothing about it. And then she starts bawling about, like, my kid, uh, my fucking kid that I love so much, even though I don't do anything with. And I got to get off these drugs. Please help me, Vic. So Vic. Vic makes a story up for her. Here's what you're going to tell everybody. And the only way we can, we can prove this is, is like, you don't have any, you can, you got to be bruised up. So Vic beats the ever loving fuck out of this girl. Yeah. This is a tough scene. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. He, he realizes he has to hit her to give her the bruises to make this look like self-defense. Uh, but he really just does not want to. And even though she's like begging him to do it, like he just, he doesn't want to hit a woman, especially, I mean, he, he does really care for Connie, so he really just wants no part of this. Um, the good part about this that I do like, that I think really does speak to Vic's character, is that she she starts hitting him and, like, wailing on him, trying to get her him to just, you know, get pissed off and hit her back. But he doesn't. Like, he doesn't do that at all. Like, he just calmly takes it, and then, like, he's just kind of resolvedly kisses her on the head and is like, all right, I got to do this. <laughs> so I like that he didn't just, you know, rush to anger and then decide to punch a lady. Like, he just did it because he actually does care about her. But, you know, keep in mind, when he does decide to hit a lady, he hits the fuck out of a lady. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. This scene goes on for probably, like, six minutes. It's a long-ass scene. Like, I mean, he doesn't some beat her time for six it. minutes. But... No, no, the whole scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The beating, luckily, like... they cut away from, but... Keep in mind, this yeah. isn't like a backhand or anything. This is a closed fist, overhand right type of fucking, you know, Mike Tyson. It's like shot. Clubber Lane. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pain. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Sounds about right. Aceveda pretty much tells Dutch it's over. You know, like I can't, yeah. I can't give you all these resources all fucking day and shit, dude. Everybody's got to get back into rotation. Yeah, you got you got fucking, you got duped. Just move on. So Danny then asked Dutch, hey, you want to help me study tonight? And Dutch is like, fuck you, you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> oh, he's just a shit day at work. You're fucking, you're telling me to leave so you can fucking fuck Vic? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <He> doesn't <laughs> all, say everything that, that's dude. been boiling up with that whole love triangle so far has really just come to a head here. And you just kind of think, oh, I guess, guess it's all over. He, he told her off. Yeah, but I guess that kind of comes back at the end where maybe not. Maybe this is actually a good thing that he showed some passion. 
Um, but uh, he, him and Vic kind of have a moment where they're kind of, you know, commiserating together, actually. And it's kind of nice. It's kind of like one of those things where you always have on shows where, you know, people hate each other, but then by the end they grow to like each other, like on The Office with Jim and Dwight and that kind of shit like that. Yeah. Where it's always like, oh, I like that they're friends now. Best Mensch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I always like how that comes around. Obviously, with the way this show is, you know, set up, that's not going to remain the case, <laughs> nor is there going to be a big, you know, coming together of those two by the end of the show, given the fact that Vic is a cop killer. Like, it kind of can't work out that way, like, as nicely as it does on The Office. <laughs> uh, no, no, of course. But this isn't yeah. The Office either, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, is, but, this is another episode where we're talking about The Office again. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a lot, it happens in a lot. I think that's, that's like a huge trope. Like Top Gun and that kind of stuff, too, where it's just like, oh... He hates Tom Cruise, but now he loves him. You could be my wingman any day. Take my breath away. <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Connie says she's going to clean up. Yawn. We hear this from Connie before. Uh, now we got a scene with Vic and Sun Lee. Sun Lee, once again, is the uh, the victim at that sex club that he rescued when they ar- arrested everybody. And he tells her, you're going back to Korea. See you later. And she was like, wait, I thought if I helped you out and everything, you'd, you'd look out for me. And he's like, I am looking out for you. You got to get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she actually is helping her out. Like, yes, yeah. do it. Like, staying there is not good for her. So. No. Yeah, yeah, it's not. She's got no life there, and she's going to end up just being a whore or a hooker or kidnapped or sex trade or whatever, dead. She's already in it, basically, so, yeah. He's so, yeah. trying to get her out of there. I mean, her home life isn't that great. It's got to be better than this. But, yeah, once again, Vic's – I'm not saying he's he's doing the right thing, but he's a little cold about it. He's just like, you know, it, it's just – got to go. <laughs> you just yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> Although I don't know what his alternative is in that one, though. Like, no, I hear what you. else? What else are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, I understand. I told you know maybe, but no, no, you're leaving. See ya. You can't um, be like, uh, I'm gonna tell my wife that you're gonna come home and live with us. Yeah. <laughs> we need a teenage sex worker. <laughs> I'm sure um, she'll she'll go for that. Uh, Vic and the FBI guy console Dutch because Dutch. Yeah. He's having a bad day. I like the FBI guy in this scene where he's just talking about, like, the Green River Killer and that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, we've been investigating that since 1984. We just made our first arrest last year. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, then the next note I have, toilet still broke. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but all right. There must still there must have been, like, tape over the door or something. Yeah, I know uh, Aceveda has to run to the ATM to get money to pay the plumber. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's basically how that ends. But then, uh, uh, then we get... Danny? Yeah, Danny, she kind of tells Vic she needs some space, and she goes home. And who does she find sitting on her doorstep? Dutch. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Dutch boy. Well, she confronts Vic before she leaves and says, did you steal those drugs? And Vic's like, no, I wouldn't do that. I'd never do something like that. So Julian's chirping in her ear. Now she's starting to question shit. Yep. So I don't know. So, yeah. Then then you said, like, Danny goes home. Dutch is there. He apologizes. And then uh, 
Yeah, it's a nice moment. It kind of shows where, like, Dutch is, he starts talking about, like, his own childhood, and he's just like, ah, why am I using that as an excuse? Like, given everything we've seen the last day or so, like, that's that's stupid. (laughs) Yeah. So, I like that, and it kind of brings them closer together, I feel like, even though he just completely blew up on her and chewed her out in front of everybody. Like, it seems like it's actually brought them closer together. And then the final scene we got is uh, a green car with, like, a broken taillight drives by some hookers. Yeah. Uh-oh. He's still out there. Look out, Jay. On the hunt. What do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> it's not green, I'll tell you that much. All right, good. All right, good. Yeah. But, yeah, I really, I really painted, enjoyed though. the aspect of the episode where, you know, at least for a good portion of this, everybody's working the same case. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Those are my favorite episodes is where everything kind of intertwines. Yeah. I don't like it as much when it's just like, oh, hey, you know, Danny and Julian are investigating some bullshit that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, true. I mean, sometimes they're funny. They're kind of, you know, some weird little quirky. Yeah, like the last episode where, like, the – it turns out, like, the the missing son was dead. Like, somebody buried – you know, unburied his corpse and kidnapped the corpse. Yeah, shit like that. Just little wacky ones. Yeah. I I do like where they all kind of intermingle. I gave this episode a 9 out of 10. Thought this was another mm-hmm. solid effort. I don't know if Kurt Sutter wrote this one. Uh, he did not. I forget who did, but I don't believe this was a Kurt Sutter. Um, but whoever did, they did a damn good job. Yeah. It's another. There's a lot of tension in this episode with the sex club, with the IAB stuff. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of good scenes in this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All throughout, really solid. All right. Uh, best, uh, let's do best quotes for this episode. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, but it was his three dollars. I, I really like that. I really like that. Because <laughs> um, usually, like, I, I write down quotes if I find them significant, but that's the only one I had written down was it was his three dollars. <laughs> Yep, I did like when they uh, when they go to the Chinese restaurant. And they're just like, "What are you guys cooking? Grilled Snoopy with a side of Woodstock." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It's it's racist though, you know. It's racist. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but that makes for good TV dialogue. Yeah. Frasier knew it. <laughs> Why is Frasier a racist show? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I watch Frasier. I hate Frasier. <laughs> I can't stand Kelsey Grammer in anything, man. Uh, he was good as Sideshow Bob. Yeah. What about Beast? Wasn't he Beast? Oh, yeah, he was Beast. You love the (laughs) X-Men. Not the movies, though. Yeah, they're terrible. (laughs) They make me angry. Yeah, I can see that. They make me angry, too. I think uh, the only other quote I had was, you're assigning the same amount of manpower to to this case as you are to fix our goddamn pipes. (laughs) (laughs) Ah... Yeah, that's a good one, too. Oh, yeah, that's a good shit. Dutch quote. I had a good Dutch quote. I, eh, it might have been the last episode. Oh, well, I missed it. <laughs> as long as it wasn't the Blue Bananas. Uh, no, it wasn't that one. <laughs> um, well, um, I guess MVP of this episode. I mean, it seems like it's got to be Dutch, right? This is really his episode to shine. Yeah, I mean, he shines. Vic solves the case, though, with the sex worker. Yeah. 
He yeah. gets shit done, whereas Dutch just kind of chases his own tail the whole time. But it really is a good episode to kind of show Dutch being, you know, Dutch and being at least somewhat competent. Yeah. Yeah, not he's not. Uh, yeah, because, you know, I don't know. For whatever reason, if you're just listening to this podcast but never watching The Shield, which would make zero fucking sense. Yeah. But just yeah, say hypothetically, you think, like, you're probably thinking in your head, Dutch is like, you know, Officer Dewey from Scream or uh, <laughs> Scary Movie or whatever. Yeah. Officer Dewey. Doofus. He, he's <laughs> yeah. a cop and stuff. He's just not like, you know, he's socially awkward and he's kind of like uh, over formal at times and stuff. So yeah. he's still good. He, this episode really does show him as a fully kind of rounded character where he is. He does have layers to himself and he does, you know, he is able to empathize with people and stuff like that. Like he actually yeah. does. You know, he's he's got he's got it together. He's not he's all bad. Not, he's not Deputy Dewey though. No, not at all. Hey, they're making a Scream Five. Are you happy about that? Uh, maybe <laughs> it could be. I love uh, yeah, I love those movies a lot. I love them. Um, three, I thought got weird, but I still kind of like it, especially because there's Jane Silent Bob in it. Uh, is three the one? Where they're holding like a festival, uh, like a, like they're holding like a big scream festival at the end, and I think that's four. Where they're in like a barn. Yeah. So they're trying to go after Courtney Cox. Yeah, that's four. Oh, so three's the one with like her niece or something. Oh uh, no, that's also four. <laughs> oh, which one's three? Is that the one three with Jackie? Three is the one with with the. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. That was two. That was two. My uh, God. <laughs> three was the one where they go out to like Hollywood essentially where uh they're filming a new stab movie but people on the stab movie oh down. yeah okay. yeah all right maybe i don't love screams i love scream <laughs> scream one I, i've seen scream one and two are times. fucking amazing yeah yeah those ones are great all right and i mean i didn't hate four it's got you know it's got emma roberts in it and allison brady that's, that's you good. like Emma Roberts? Hell yeah. Really? Like physically or actressly? Ah, uh, both. That is weird. And she right. out Dina. She's great. I've never her. heard anybody <laughs> say that before. She was so good on Screen Queens. Like, fucking, that's one of my favorite characters, probably. I've never watched that. Ah, uh, you really should. If you like, I mean, I know you love horror stuff, so you should really watch Screen Queens. It's great. Isn't it kind of is it is it funny? Is it a comedy or is it kind of like Scream? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of both. Yeah. I would say it's definitely more comedy, especially as it goes on, it gets more comedy-ish. But it's got a good you know horror storyline too. So who else is in it? Like besides Jamie uh, Lee Curtis. Yep, her. Uh, Billy Lord, you know Carrie Fisher's daughter. What? Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's daughter. What the hell are you talking about? Billy yeah, Lord? I don't even know who that is. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, Carrie Fisher's daughter. She was in, uh, she had a small role in the newer Star Wars-ish movies. Huh, I don't know her at all. Oh, it's great, because on the show, like, <laughs> I think basically as an homage to her mother, her character is just always wearing earmuffs. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess she does. She kind of looks like Carrie Fisher a little bit, I guess. 
Yeah, they definitely have some similarities in the face. Oh, yeah. uh, you've probably I, seen her on uh, American Horror Story. She was in a lot of those. Yeah, that's what it says. I don't know which ones. Oh, oh wow. yeah. She's, was she in the cult one? She was in the cult one for sure. Yeah, yeah. She was, uh, what's his name, sister. Yeah. yeah. I love that season. Yeah, she's great. Was that called Cult? I don't know. That, that season's really so. good, though. I haven't seen all the seasons, but I really like the cult one. I love that most recent one, the 1984 one. That was so good. Oh, really? Because we we got it, we started it, but then I was like, man, it's like there's a there's a Jason like killer going on and Richard Ramirez at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, yeah. I bailed. It got weird. Um, I'll say that. Like as those seasons tend to do, it's like they kind of run out of ideas halfway through and then have to yeah. kind of reinvent the show. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked. I'd say this one worked better than some of the other ones. All right. All right. Well, what about the Shield? We should get yeah. back to that show because nobody's tuning in to listen to us break down American horror stories. <laughs> so MVP, I guess we'll go Dutch, and then you know Vic, a strong runner-up. Yeah. I'm doing a good job. Uh, best guest star. Well, I'm gonna go with that FBI guy. But I don't know his name though. All right, let me. I'm gonna yeah, look at him. Um, I don't know his name either, but he would also be my pick. Um, I guess we should mention that the lady who plays uh, Acevedo's assistant, the one who tips Vic off, her name's Elizabeth Rodriguez. She was like on Orange Is the New Black uh, and a lot of other things. Like she definitely looked familiar when I saw her, <laughs> so I had to look her up. I never watched but. that either. Is that show any good? It was all right the first couple of seasons, and then it started just getting stupid. Did you watch all of them, though? No, I think I gave up on, like, there was probably six seasons. I think season five, I kind of started and was like, nah, fuck it, and never watched the rest of it. <laughs> oh, I see. All right. All right, so here we are. IMDb, I'm on here. Let's see this guy's name. Because, you know, we got to give him credit, because plus, you know... Even if I hear his name, I might be like, oh, Christ, I know who that dude is. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Richard Portnow is his name. Oh. And let's see, what do we know? He's been in everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was on The Sopranos. He played like, uh, he played the lawyer for, I think he was Junior's lawyer. On, uh, on the Sopranos. He was like, you know, he was always getting them out of everything. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, but he's been in like 700 things. But he, he's he's great on this on this episode, though. Yeah, I love him. He's he's good. <laughs> and again, he's kind of got that Twin Peaks kind of relationship where it's not like this FBI guy coming in and stepping on all the toes and making people angry. Like he's just kind of there to help, and he's just kind of a good dude. Like him and Dutch get along. <laughs> you ever did you ever see Twin Peaks? <laughs> it's very good. I don't know if you know. That so that. I've been told. Yeah, you should watch it. You should watch it someday. One day. I'll get around to it. Yeah, I'll at least in, check it off once on my list. He was in Kindergarten Cop. Oh, Mike Dell. Oh, he was Mike the little Dell boy who said I was a tumor. <laughs> He's what? He was the little boy who thought I was a tumor. Oh, yeah. Not a tumor. <laughs> he aged a lot. Not a tumor at all. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, what else have we got left here? Uh, let's see, we got the Vendrell Cup for the biggest fuck-up. It cannot be Shane this time because he was not in this episode, so he's off no, the hook. no Shane in this episode? No, I think it was just another one with uh, him and Lem. Uh, no, I feel like Ronnie may have been in the background in one scene, but yeah, they still don't know what to do with Ronnie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess the plumber? Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to go with, is either the plumber or Connie. Because Connie fucked up pretty bad, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with Connie. Yeah. yeah. He was put in a bad spot. <laughs> like, I don't know how he fucked up that bad. Don't you at least turn the water off first or something? Yeah. Something. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that should be possible. But, yeah, Connie fucked up real bad. Just yeah. Like, I'm going to kill this guy. Connie. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the dumpy for the worst part of the episode. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of uncomfortable parts, but it doesn't make them bad as like far as storytelling. Um, for me, I guess the worst part was the fact that Sun Lee keeps referring to herself as Sun Lee. In yeah. The third person. <laughs> Joe Rogan hates that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's an episode of Fear Factor where he says that, and Nick and I, the wife and I, um, anytime we hear anybody talking to third person, when you say Joe Rogan hates that. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, who fucked up in this? Uh, no, there's not really a whole lot of fuck-ups in this episode. Like, I can't think of anybody, like, is that, that's what we're doing, right? The fuck-up? The, the no, bit. no, this is uh, the, the worst part of the episode. Oh, the worst part. Well, I don't know. Like, I think the worst part of the episode is, you know, kind of seeing 35 seconds of some fucking underage sex scene on a stage. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I don't want to see that at all. I mean, I, yeah. you know, you can imply a murder. You can imply that there's something going on that's very gross and illicit. And I don't have to see any of it. I'm sure that girl was. 20 or 18 or whatever but still yeah they did say in the commentary that it definitely was yeah. <laughs> someone who was older i would but, imagine yeah yeah that's definitely tough it's the it's definitely the part of the episode i would like to avoid the most <laughs> yeah like it's important to the episode but yeah do i need it no no do i want to watch it no no did i want to watch it four times no but i did <laughs> <clears throat> Just to see that scene where the guy slowly makes the reach for his junk. Yes. <laughs> it's something I can use. All right. Well, uh, we just got one category left. We're going to do a little superhero casting for David Reese Snell. Yeah. Everyone's favorite actor, David Reese Snell, yeah. who plays Ronnie on this show. Ronnie. Yeah, he's part <laughs> that of guy the in the background. Team. You guys might not know this. There's four guys on the strike team. Vic, Shane, Lem, and then there's Ronnie. And Ronnie's only there, like, once in a while. Ronnie doesn't talk. Uh, Ronnie shoots guns and stuff. But Ronnie's not there very often for being one of the only four people on the strike team. Yeah, it's tough. Because you can see what they were going for. Like, Vic is the leader, and he's kind of the middle guy. Where he's got, 
Lem is like the angel on his shoulder trying to be his conscience, and he's got Shane as like the devil on his shoulder who's always just being crazy and wanting him to do even worse things. And Vic's kind of the middleman, kind of walking the path of both and trying to balance it all out. Whereas then you got Ronnie who's just kind of there. Like, what else can Ronnie do? <laughs> Ronnie just needs something to do. We just don't have anything left for him. Yeah, I hear you. But he's a he's a fine actor. I got no, no beeps against him, so yeah, we'll see if we can find him something else to do. Well, I, the only thing I could think of, not necessarily superhero, but uh, how about Snake Eyes? Oh, you know, like it. That's comic booky. He don't talk, but he can kick <laughs> ass if he needs to. Yeah, he's yeah. in shape. I can see that. Yeah, he's Snake Eyes. Yeah, that's perfect. Yep, I like it. What do you got? <laughs> Um, I got a couple. Uh, I got, I don't know if you're going to know this character, but Maverick. Uh, not uh, not Top Gun, Maverick, oh, but from Top the X-Men. <laughs> uh, I, like Top Gun. I like Top Gun Maverick better. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. He was uh, like a member of the Weapon X program who kind of knew Wolverine, that kind of stuff. Uh, um, I see, I definitely see David Reese Snell as that. Uh, or I also went with somebody like obscure, like Kite Man, like the Batman villain Kite Man. Like I could see him being Kite Man. Kite <laughs> He's kind of there in the background. <laughs> Nobody respects him. He's just Kite Man. Holy shit, he looks like a kite. <laughs> yeah. He just wears a big kite. That's fucking stupid. All right. <laughs> that seems like a good role for him. You know, here's the thing. Like, I don't know, like... You know, I, I I see this kite doubles as some sort of hang glider or whatever, but it's not that often you need a hang glider. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're in Gotham, maybe. Like, Batman seems to glide around a lot, especially if you play those Arkham games. But normal life, no. It yeah. <laughs> doesn't come up very often. No, I don't. I've never said to Nick, like, we should get a hang glider just in case. <laughs> case shit goes down. Yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with that Unless one. Unless right. lived on a mountain, yeah, there's probably not much much reason. I've never heard of Kite Man. Yeah. Batman those... caught him? Yeah. Really? I think uh, they brought him back in, in a way recently where there's some big war, I think, between the Joker and the Riddler, and uh, some somehow Kite Man got involved in the middle of it. <laughs> he was like a centerpiece of this whole thing. That's so weird. Yeah. It's very right. strange. Or I also figured, uh, because Sebastian Stan just isn't very good, I figured pretty much anyone is a step up. He could be the Winter Soldier. <laughs> you don't like Winter Soldier? You don't like Sebastian Stan? That guy has, like, no personality whatsoever. Does the Winter Soldier have personality? Because, you know, Captain America seems pretty boring, too. He's cut and dry. Oh, I mean, but Chris <sighs> Evans brings so much to that role. Like, yeah. he seems he seems cool. Like, I'd want to hang out with that guy. Well, do you know Winter that soldier? guy? You know that guy's over? Why? I don't know. But on Twitter <laughs> last week, Chris Evans is over was trending, and then I couldn't figure out why he was trending. But he's over now. Jimmy Fallon's over, too. Because apparently oh, I heard about he did that. blackface or something a while ago, and now everybody's mad about something 10 years ago, I guess. Yeah, it was like 20 years ago. I think it was when he was on SNL. Oh, my God. Like, Jesus Christ. Like I think I heard he was doing a you know Chris Rock impression. I'm sure Chris Rock didn't give a fuck. <laughs> no. You probably thought it was hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Let's not just be mad at everyone over everything. Yeah, I hear you. Everybody's so sensitive. Yeah, I can't stand it. I know. 
Like, I don't know how the shield would be on today. You couldn't get away with this. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Cancel Vic Mackey. Yeah. Oh, Vic Mackey is over party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I gave this episode a 9 out of 10. I don't know if I said that earlier, but another just solid a- effort here. Yep. A great one. Very good episode. Kind of keeps going the whole storyline of Julian and his knowing of what happened with the strike team. So, uh, we'll kind of keep that going for next week as we dig into our next episodes. Oh God. Yeah. I'm looking ahead seven and eight, not super strong. And nine looks like it. I gave it a real bad score. So Uh-oh. I don't know. We got, we got a weak run coming up here. Was nine the, uh, the cockfighting one? I think so. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember that one not being particularly great. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it in two weeks. It doesn't really. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything we need to cover this week. So until next time. Bye, motherfuckers. Bye, motherfuckers. Hey, Mo. Your sister's ass really tastes as sweet as Alvarez here says it does. He wants to know what your mama's putting in the cold muffin. <laughs> <laughs>